Man, it is such a privilege um, to be able to share with you. Uh, it's not something I look at lightly. Um, it's, it really is, it's my heart. This is my, the mission of my life, um, is to teach this word. And what I want to share today is, the title is The Awaited King of Peace. The Awaited King of Peace, right? And um, I'm going to be coming out of uh, the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, starting with verse 9, going to verse 10, right? But I'm going to be explaining a lot more. I'm going to explain where Zechariah is, what he's doing. But really, what I'm trying to get at in this passage is I want to know what were the people of Israel thinking before Jesus came? What were they waiting for? What was their thoughts on, uh, on what they were waiting for the first Christmas, all right? But first, I want to ask, have you ever had a daydream? Have you ever daydreamed before? Raise your hand if you've ever had a daydream. I've had plenty of daydreams, right? Now, um, I have some daydreams that I can't forget, and some of those, my best daydreams were um, probably where they shouldn't be when I was in class, probably in middle school, um, maybe elementary school, and just something I notice about daydreams is there's always a problem, and I'm always the hero of my daydream, right? You probably have similar ones, and I remember, uh, I remember, this is, you guys are going to think I'm nuts, but that's okay. I remember being in class, I don't know how old I was, I might have been 11 or so, and I remember, I remember like looking at the fan in the classroom spinning, right? And then all of a sudden, you know how you kind of just fade out? Like everything fades out. The chalkboard's gone, right? The teacher's like, Sam, Sam, and, and I'm gone, right? And I remember, just, uh, I remember just looking at the fan, just spaced out, and boom, right? I just pictured the fan fell, and it was like a, like a flying ninja star. And then the whole class was like, oh, my goodness, right? And then I, like, stopped, I stopped all the fans from spinning, right? And, and, like, I was the hero of my daydream, and you're all looking at me like I'm nuts. But that's okay, because I know you probably have had crazier ones too. But, uh, but I was thinking about how Zechariah in this book, what he's going to have is he's having, you could say, a daydream. He's having a vision. He's having multiple visions. But the thing is, what he's seeing isn't imaginary. I mean, it, it hasn't happened yet, but what he's seeing is the future. He's seeing images which represent the future of what's going to come, except the hero of his daydream isn't going to be him. It's not going to be any person, but it's actually going to be God himself through a king, right? And this is the daydream that he's having, and uh, it is an amazing book. I can only tackle a little bit of it today, but I'm going to give you the, the, like, the meat of this, this book but I want you to think about that. This is a vision that Zechariah is having about the future to come. And it, who's the hero? It's going to be God as the hero, right? And, but I want to get us, where is Zechariah in history? And where is Zechariah in, in, in the Bible, in all this literature? Where is he? Well, we have to start about 1,800, actually, no, about 1,200 years earlier. This is about 18, 2,800, no, 1,800 B.C., all right? There was a man named Abraham. You probably read about him in the Bible. Right? This is a time where they didn't know about God that much yet. I mean, they had little images of God. There were some things that they knew. They knew there was a God out there, but they didn't know that he was a personal God and that he wanted to have a relationship with people. They were worshiping idols at that time. They were doing all kinds of things to try to, try to uh, interact with the divine, but they didn't understand yet. Right? And Abraham is living in this time, and what happens is Abraham meets with God. God comes to Abraham. God chooses Abraham, this one man. And Abraham was about 80, 70 years old at this time. And, and God says to Abraham, from you, I'm going to make a large nation. 
Right? You're going to have so you're 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 going to have children. Your children are going to have children. Your children's children are going to have children, and they're going to become a great nation. In this nation, I'm going to give them a land. I'm going to give them a land to live. So that's two parts of the promise to Abraham: nation, land, and then the third is going to be that he's going to bless the whole world through this nation that he's given a great land. Right? And so Abraham, here he is, and he's saying, God, I am, I'm 80 years old. How is this going to happen? Well, God waits till he's over 100 years old, and God gives him a child. And that child has a child. That child has a child. Children, 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 children. And then hundreds of years later, this is all, we, all, we see the story in Scripture, but I'm going to jump all the way to the time of Moses. Moses now is, is born into this nation that was Abraham's descendants. And he's born into this nation which is enslaved now to Egypt. And, and God has made Israel. This is the nation, Abraham's descendants. He's made them a great nation, but they don't have a land. First part of the promise. They're enslaved to these Egyptians now. So now God says, I've seen your suffering. I see what's happening. I've heard your cry. And now I remember my covenant to Abraham and I'm gonna act and I'm gonna bring you out and I'm gonna give you a land. And that's the story of Exodus. He brings them out. And during this time, he brings them to the wilderness, then to the actual place that's gonna be Israel, the, the, the physical place, the nation, the, the, the land. And he's gonna bring them there. But on the way, he starts making this new promise to the people. The second promise it's the, the Mosaic covenant, they call it, right? The promise to Moses, which is for the people. And he starts giving them laws and rules. And what he's doing is organizing them as a nation. But key thing here is that by organizing, he's, God is setting himself up as the king over this nation. God, God is the ruler over this nation, which now is being given a land. They come into the land. They have land. They have a nation. They have God as their king. And then through time, you know what happens is, they say, we don't want God as our king. We want a man to be our king, to go before us in wars, right? To be, to be somebody that we can see, right? And so they say, God, we're rejecting you. All we want, all we want is, this, uh, is this physical king, this person to be in charge. And so God says, okay, I'm gonna give you a person. So God gives them real kings. He gives them these, these people kings. And, and these people kings, the thing about them is that, just like me and you, they sin, they make mistakes, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. But in that promise to Moses where he organized them as a nation and he set himself up as a king, he said, if you do what I say, you'll be blessed. But if you don't, you'll be punished. Why? Because they're, they're rejecting what God has given them. So he has to bring them back to understand. He has to punish them. And so what God does is he punishes the nation of Israel. After so many different kings who've, fallen short over and over and over again. And he actually takes this nation, this nation Israel, and he allows the superpower of the world, Assyria, to come. They destroy Israel, nothing left, people taken. And then 120 years later, he allows Judah, the other part of Israel, to be uh, decimated. Babylon comes in, destroys the nation, takes the people away as exiles, kills the men, takes the women and children, and, and, and they destroy the temple where they worshiped God. And, and, and that, re, that relationship that they had with God was all in that temple, and it's destroyed. And then 70 years goes by, and these people are saying, God, you've, you've called us, you, you said that through Abraham, the descendants of Abraham, us, that we were gonna be blessed that we, we were gonna have a nation, that we would be a people. 
and, and that we would have a land where we would be able to worship you and, and that we would then go and bless the whole world. And we had two of those promises and, and God, they're gone. They're saying, God, where are you? What have you done? Is it ever gonna come to pass? Are, are we ever gonna see your will come, Lord? And they're broken. And, and this is what they're saying in Babylon as they've been exiled, punished for all the sin that they've done, for rejecting what God has given them. And then God, he brings them out of Babylon. This Israel, this broken people, these people who are supposed to be his, he brings them out, he brings them back to the land. And when they come back to the land, it's decimated. There's nothing. The houses that their, their grandparents lived in are burned to the ground. Their temple where they worshiped God, nothing but maybe an outline of where the foundation used to be. The walls that used to protect this city fallen and they're just remembering the stories that their grandparents told them when it happened that 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 their grandparents had been taken from their homes that 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 their fathers had been killed that their mothers were taken that families were separated that that this nation that used to stand and be a symbol of god's grace to the world has been decimated and they're looking at this temple where they used to worship God, where they used to connect with God and, and find forgiveness one day out of the year where they would sacrifice animals to, to, to show the, the evil and the, the wickedness of their sin. And now they're looking at this temple where they had this relationship with God and it's decimated, it's gone. And they're saying, God, where are you? What, what's happening? What are you gonna do, Lord? And Zechariah begins to speak right during this time. This is where Zechariah is. We've just covered a thousand years of biblical history. And now here is Zechariah in this broken land with this broken people. And he's gonna give this vision of the end, a vision of, of, of what this coming king, their, their only hope is gonna do. And Zechariah prophesies, he dies. And then they continue to suffer. These people go another 400 years. The Persians at the time of Zechariah were over them and there was lands all around them which were persecuting them. And then after the Persians, the Greeks came and destroyed and continued to, to take control and, and continue to hurt this people, God's people. And then after them, the Romans came and the Romans continued to, to rule over them and, and, and reign as their king. And, and these people for another 400 years after Zechariah are waiting, they're saying, God, where are you? Actually, the, what we're gonna read today, I was reading, they wouldn't even read this passage. They, they, they wouldn't even associate it with the coming, the coming king, the coming Messiah, because they thought it was too painful that God had forgotten about them. But Zechariah, right during this time as they come out of this captivity and before all this other 400 years before the one we're gonna talk about comes. Here is Zechariah, this is what he says. Chapter nine, verse nine through verse 10. This is his daydream about what's gonna happen. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Zion is the mountain where the temple stood. This is, this is the symbol of the people of God. Right? And he says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. The daughter of Jerusalem, that's where the city stood. That's where the temple was. That's, that's where the people were promised. 
this, temple, uh, this mountain, Mount Zion, Jerusalem, if you look through scripture, it's, it's, it's the, this one place where God continually meets with his people and draws people close. And this is what symbolizes the people. He says, oh, daughter of Zion, oh, daughter of Jerusalem, these people who've been hurt and broken and, and sent to exile and brought back, he's saying, rejoice. What in the world? Rejoice. Their temple's broken. Their houses are destroyed. Their families are, are, are broken up. These, rejoice. But look what he says. Behold. Anytime you see behold, it's a marker. It's an interjection saying, Pay attention, this is why. And this is what it says. Your kingdom is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here they are, they're sitting in their broken temple that they're trying to rebuild and they just can't because of the enemies around them. And this is where they're gonna worship God and, and it's not working out. And, and, and Zechariah says, rejoice, your king is coming. Your king is coming, righteous, bringing salvation, mounted on a donkey, humble. He's giving them an image of what's to come, that there is a person who God has anointed, that God is giving, who's going to bring them to a place of peace, a place where they're going to find saving salvation from their problems. He says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Zechariah is saying all this, but they're not seeing it. They're reading it, but they're not seeing it. 400 years would go after Zechariah, and these people would continue to suffer and continue to be ripped apart and continue to be slaves and servants to other nations. And here Zechariah is giving this vision that there's somebody who's going to come, who's going to bring salvation, who's going to end any need for war, cutting off the chariots, the tanks of that day, cutting off the battle bow, like the snipers of that day, cutting off all these different things. There's going to be no more war and peace is going to reign as he's the king from sea to sea. And then 400 years comes after this and all they see is more war and more suffering and more pain. And then in Luke chapter one, verse 26 there's a young girl who's betrothed to a man. And this is what happens. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. God said that there was gonna be a king who comes from the house of David who's going to reign forever and ever and bring peace to the land. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall, cut his, you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord... God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. I love what Zechariah then this is a different Zechariah this is right at, this is G, this is Mary's cousin. Mary's cousin says this as he's uh, thinking about all these amazing things. He's saying and and you 
and you, your child will be called the prophet of the most high. This is his son who's gonna introduce Jesus that he's talking about. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of his salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the, sun, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Here it is. 400 years after Zechariah prophesied, all they saw was more war. And now here a woman is, is hearing the voice of God and she's being told that there's gonna be a king who's coming from her and that this king is gonna reign, for, he's gonna reign forever. And, and, and then Zechariah, her cousin says, and this king, he's not just gonna come and rule nations, but he's gonna bring forgiveness. He's gonna speak peace to his people. And Zechariah, coming back to the, the Old Testament, at the time of, of the egg, after the exile, Zechariah is seeing this in the vision he sees, not just from verse nine and 10 from chapter nine, but he's seeing a multitude of visions. And if you read that book, it's incredible, the connections you can make. And he says, he says that there's gonna be this, this priest who's going to, he's gonna take away the sins of the nation. And this priest is also gonna be a king. And this king is gonna rule in the temple. And he says, that, he says that you will be my people and I will be your God, right? Zechariah is seeing the end. He's seeing this image, this image of Jesus. But Jesus has come. Jesus came and it looks like there's no peace in these nations. It looks like there's still pain and suffering. It still looks like, like, he, like Jesus hasn't done it. He, he, we're reading this chapter from chapter nine. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Well, if Jesus was the king, if Jesus was this coming king who would bring all of this, who would, who would cut off wars and, and, and soldiers wouldn't have to die in battle and people wouldn't die from sickness and, and, and nations would stop hurting each other and people would stop hurting each other, then why in the world, why in the world is this still happening? Who is this man, Jesus, and why has nothing changed? You're still facing these troubles that they were facing. You're still hurting like they were hurting. You're still waiting like he, they were waiting for this one day that he saw this vision that the, the kingdom will be set up where God will rule. He'll end all wars. What, what is going on? This is exactly, this is exactly what Mary, Joseph, and the rest of the people at that time were wondering. Who is this king and why is nothing changing? Well, something did change. Zechariah talked about not just a physical kingdom, which whether it be peace over the entire earth, he talked about a, a spiritual peace. A spiritual peace, which is the forgiveness of God. The whole reason they went into exile and were punished by God was because they continued to sin. They rejected him. And now God is healing that wound. He is, he is making right that wrong. When that baby cried in Mary's arms, it wasn't just this, this warrior king that they were waiting for to, to bring peace over the entire earth. He was the lamb of God. He was the sacrifice 
He was the priest who was going to come and not just bring peace that we can see physically, but peace that we can feel spiritually. Peace that lasts not just today till we die, but today forever. That sins have been forgiven and people are made close to God. The image that Zechariah saw was that during this time, the nations would come and the nations, they would build the temple of God. That they would build the dwelling place of God. I'm saying that Jesus is this coming king. And what he came to do first was he came to bring peace within our hearts, peace with us and God, that there might be forgiveness. He came first to heal the first wound, which started it all, which was sin. He came first to draw us close, not just in a, in a physical connection, but in a connection so much deeper, in a connection that separates us from him, the sin, the hatred of others, the gossip, the the, the, the warring, the deceiving. He came to heal that first. And it says, it doesn't make Zechariah's second piece any less different, any less real. You see, in between nine and 10, I think that there's thousands of years of a gap in between these visions. Verse nine, we see this, this king who's coming on a, on a donkey, Right? Who's the person in the New Testament who came on a donkey into Jerusalem? It was Jesus. And, he was, and that's, that was the day before he was going to die. Now, actually a week before he was going to die. Now, verse 10, we see this image of all of, the, all of the wars being ended and peace reigning from sea to sea and a king on a throne who will reign forever. We haven't seen this yet, but we've seen, we've seen the latter. I think in between, that little, that little space in between chapter nine and 10, where there's no words. That's me and you. That's where I see, I see us. We've experienced the first peace and we're waiting for the second. Zechariah saw the whole vision at once, but it's being played out in two. And if you were to take a huge step back from history and you would look, we would probably see it as one as well. But God is working to give peace to people first, forgiveness of sin, and second, He's gonna come again. This was the first Christmas. The second Christmas, he's coming again. And he's not gonna leave us. He's not gonna leave us to, to continue to feel the pain and suffering of this world, but he's gonna bring us to a new place, a place where wars are done and death is gone and, and, and pain is over and, and, and sin is done. He's gonna bring us to a place where, where there's true, true peace forever and ever and ever. We've only experienced half of it and it's amazing. The fullness of our salvation, though permanent now, is still coming. We've experienced only the first glimpse of the glory of God, which will be shown for eternity. And we're going to find it when he comes again, the second Christmas. I need some volunteers. I got I got to, we're going to do something. We need a visual. Can anybody, raise your hand if you want to volunteer. Nothing crazy. I'm not, I can't promise that. Anybody, anybody, I need some volunteers. Nick, come on up, come on up. Anybody else, any brave souls out there? Sam, I got two over here. We got two over here. Going once, going twice, come on up. Brian, come on up. Thank you, brother. All right. Hold on, we got to grab something. I probably just left the camera angle, but that's okay. I'm coming back. Like Jesus is coming back. All right. So. All right. I need one boat driver. That sounds crazy. I need, 
Nick, why don't you be, why don't you be the guy in this boat right here? Why don't you be the guy? This is my boat. These two chairs are my boat. Now, you guys, you guys, imagine this is an ocean. Everything else is an ocean. This is the boat. These two chairs. I think we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> Best part of this is all in your imagination, all right? Now, come on over. All of you guys, imagine that you don't see a boat. This boat isn't here yet. He's, I can't, if this thing was on wheels, we could wheel him in, but it's not. So he's here, but he's way, 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 way off at sea right now. And you guys here, you're in this water. You've been stranded, and you're just swimming. And you're like, oh, my goodness, we're never going to find shore, right? So go ahead, do some swimming. Do some, do some swimming. Now get tired. Get tired. Oh, my goodness, right? You're tired. You're tired. Oh, my goodness, right? And you're like, Where, where's our hope? When's he coming? Where's the boat? But Nick, Nick comes, and he, he sees them. He sees them, and, and they're beginning to drown. They're beginning to swallow water, and, they, and they, can't, they, can't get, they can't hold up any longer. And Nick sees them, and he, and he brings the boat over, and he starts grabbing Brian. He grabs Brian. Brian gets in the boat, right? And then, and then, and then he sees Maddie. Maddie gets in the boat, right? Now, the boat doesn't leave yet. They're still swimming. They're still struggling. They haven't found the peace yet. When they're in this boat, they have total peace, but they haven't made it to the land of peace yet. They're still, they're still out at sea, even though they're, even, but they're in the boat. But they're still struggling. And this boat isn't going to leave until everybody who's going to trust in Jesus and believe in him is getting into the boat. You see, this is, this is peace. This is, this is spiritual peace. This is, this is the piece of forgiveness that, that though there's still waves that are rocking and they're, they're still maybe dehydrated and they're still hurting and they're still, they're still thinking about people that they love who are hurting and they're still maybe seeing people past that they love and they're still watching the news and seeing the wars and, and they're still wondering, where is he? They're in the boat. They have forgiveness of their sins. The, the, the permanence of their salvation has been set. They're in the boat. But... But they're not at the land of peace. They're not at, the, at shore. They're not, feeling, they're not feeling the physical real, the real that they can see, this, this peace that's, that they will have for eternity. They're not going to leave this place until everybody who's going to believe is in the boat. Everybody who's going to repent is in the boat. Everybody who sees Jesus, the first coming, that he came for sin, that he would bring them back to him to be, to be his children, to be in relationship, to be forgiven this boat isn't going to leave. This is, where, this is where we are. We're in the boat right now. And this is what Zechariah saw. He saw the boat. He saw, he saw the king coming. He saw the salvation of people. He saw the forgiveness of sins. And just because, just because they haven't brought it to the land of peace doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Because over time, we can't leave until they're in. And when they're in, we can go. And after that time, God will end all the wars and God will end all of it. And you guys can get in the boat. Get in the boat, right? And they're, they're gonna go. They're gonna go to the land of peace. Thank you, guys. Hey, round of applause. Wonderful swimmers, wonderful boat drivers. Thank you, guys. You guys are good. But what I want you to see is that there's two types of peace and Zechariah is going to show them as one, but really they play out as two. 
right? There's a gap between verse nine and 10, and that gap might be thousands of years, but that doesn't make the land of peace any less real. That's the fullness of our salvation. That's the end. And this is what Zechariah saw. And I was just thinking about where is our hope today? Where do we have this peace? Even though we, we, we maybe have heard about Jesus and maybe even believed in him, do we understand what he's doing? Do we understand the fullness of what will happen in the end? Do we understand what everything is leading towards? And that's what Christmas is really, I feel like Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is really all about. That's what Christmas is about. It's the coming of Christ. It's him coming to bring peace. But there's gonna be another Christmas. And he's, we're not gonna hear the cries of a little baby who's gonna die for sin. We're gonna see a warrior king. And he's gonna come and he's gonna take everyone home who believes in him. And for the rest of sin, there's gonna be nothing for them. There's gonna be death for them. And that breaks our hearts. But for those who reject the peace, for those who reject what he's doing, they've chosen not to get in. But the boat is here. The boat is real. It's not these chairs. Technically, it's those chairs, right? But it's, it's, it's us as a community. What you're experiencing every week, what you're experiencing in small groups, what you're experiencing on a daily basis as you read the word and, and know that you're forgiven. We are the new temple of God where he's gonna dwell forever with us. And we are the nations that Zechariah saw. We are the nations. We're not from Israel, most of us, I would say. But we are the nations that God promised to Zechariah which would, which would worship him forever. And we're going to the land of peace. But where do you have this peace? Where are you finding your peace day in and day out? I was thinking, I love, I love watching movies and I love, I love a good show that has a good storyline where I can fall in love with characters and, and watch their progression and see how it comes to a happy ending. But I think sometimes we look to shows and we look to um, even Facebook and we look to the online world and we look to maybe even books and we look to uh, even people as if they can give us hope. You see, I think sometimes we build, um, we get so caught up right, in, in, in entertainment and really what we're looking for is, is peace because we love these moments, these temporary moments where, where we see that everything in the story is coming to an end and everything is, is going to peace and we get so wrapped in. And I'm not saying movies are bad, TV's bad. I'm just saying that let's make sure that our peace isn't found in the two hours where we watch a movie or, or the, 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 the marathon of shows that we're watching. Because what we're really searching for, we're searching for peace. We're searching for fullness. We're searching for the happy ending. And I think that can only be found if we understand that Jesus is coming again. And, but still, we see, we see all of these different things. I remember last year, just looking at the world, watching news, seeing what's going on in our society and, and all across the world, I remember getting so overwhelmed. I, re I remember I couldn't even focus 
on, on some of the things that I had to get done, like different school assignments and stuff. I was just like consumed with, with looking and seeing, okay, what's happening there? What's happening here? Who's going to be in charge? What's going on there? What, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that in the world? And I remember just thinking, oh, oh, those people are lying. Oh, no, no, those people are lying. Oh, what's going on? Does anyone even know what's going to happen? Is anyone ever going ever gonna to come and, and build a place where we can be okay? I remember last year just getting so overwhelmed with what I saw everywhere. And I just came to this place where I was like, none of this is going to do it. There's no answer out there. There's no, there's no answer to the pain that I feel. There's no, there's no hope for the desires I have. This world has nothing to give me. I'm not going to be here for that long. But what about those people that I see on TV who, who are running away from a country because they're scared to die? Or, or what about those people that I see who are maybe starving in another country? Or, or what, what, what about, those, what about the, the injustices that I see which are, which are becoming so clear? What, what about all the pain of this world? I came to this point. And it's all the way here, even in the Old Testament before Jesus. Zechariah saw the only hope is in God. The only hope is in the, the reality that he will bring and the salvation that is his. And we find it. Because there's going to be a place where the chariot of Ephraim is cut off and the war horse of Jerusalem is cut off and the battle bow is cut off and, and, and he will speak peace to the nations. And his rule will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus is our coming king. He came. He lit the candle of peace. He's given us spiritual peace, forgiveness of sins. We live in this temporary time where we wait till we'll go to the land of peace. Not just in our hearts and our minds and and here where where we love one another and bring all the problems of the world and find, and find hope in God, he will bring us to the place where we will experience with our own eyes and we will feel it with our own hands. And it'll be the second Christmas. And so my prayer and my hope is that for this Christmas season, you would have the same feelings that Zechariah's people would have in the same faith that Zechariah would had, that he saw the end and it gave him strength for the present. That even though his nation was destroyed and the temple was, was decimated, he knew that God was gonna bring his people and the nations to worship him in perfect peace, not just in heart, but in physical reality, that they would touch it, they would feel it, they would see it. And I know that there are things in your life right now where you're wondering, God, where is the peace that you've promised? Where is the king who said he would come? And I think Jesus does miracles here and now, which are windows to what is to come. But there is so much more than what we see right now. There is so much more than what we experience right now. This is just a glimpse, just a taste of the glory of what's to come. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's going to be a walk in the park. But from now until his second Christmas, to the second coming, we're going to continue to walk in his love and his spirit. 
knowing that the promise is to come. That Israel isn't just a promised people. They aren't just a nation. They aren't just a land. But they've blessed the whole world. They've blessed us. And we've become one of them to worship God forever. That's the hope. That's the promise. How do you get that hope? How do you get that peace? You trust in Jesus. It's the only way. It's the only way it's ever been. You trust in the only God who can act. He's going to give you that peace, the forgiveness of your sins. And you trust in him and say, God, I repent. I'm sorry for all the wrong I've done. But then you're going to continue to live this life, which is still going to be full of struggles and pain. But because of that peace that you have and that forgiveness that you have, you've been promised. Your future is set. You will experience the fullness of your salvation that the righteous king has brought. Spiritual peace, physical peace. Jesus is the king. He's the one who brings it. Why don't the, what doesn't the worship team come up? We're gonna end. Don't leave here without without truly, truly thinking about who is this king and what is he doing with my life. He's real and he loves you. My prayer is that you would, you would know him, not just as an idea in a book, but a real person who knows you. My prayer is that you look to him, that you allow him to be your king, to forgive you of sin. But not only that, but also be your hope that true peace will really come. Why don't we pray? Father God, we just love you, Lord. Lord, you're the king, you're the almighty. You're the God who who stands above the heavens and the earth. You're the God who knows us better than we know ourselves. Jesus, we're a broken people, full of pain, full of sin. Lord, at times we've rejected you just like they did. God, you came. You came as a king. You came as a king to die for sin, to wipe us clean, Lord, to know you, to be with you. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people, that, God, they would know your peace, peace of their heart, peace, Lord, in their their mind, God, that, Lord, they've been forgiven when they believe and trust in you. And that, God, now you'll, you'll help them live this life every day, serving you until the day you come, until the day where you set it up, your kingdom, where it won't just be in our hearts, but it'll be in our hands. Lord, bless your people, Lord. Strengthen us. For those who might be wondering, how do I get this peace? Just believe in Jesus, that he died for your sin that he took it away. You might not understand it all right now, but you know you need him and you can't live like this any longer. Maybe you just wanna say this prayer. You're saved by your faith in Christ, the work that he's done for you, but maybe you just wanna make that out loud. Just say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, you are the coming king. Bring me your peace. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, help me live this life until you come.
We love you, Lord. You are so good, Lord. It's in your wonderful name. Amen.